0: If you dream of changing the world, but you're not sure where to start, the Add Value Entrepreneurs Podcast will help you transform your life and business. This podcast is for entrepreneurs who want more freedom and fulfillment from their work so they can live the life that they desire. You deserve it, and it is possible. It's time for you to add value. Are you struggling with stress? Do you feel like life is out of control? Do you run out of time to get your to-do list tackled? Well, we have a special gift for you. Stop by AddValueMindset.com and claim your free gift today. Today's guest is Amy Silvis. Amy is the founder and principal of Silvis Capital, a real estate firm that invests in large multifamily properties in emerging markets throughout the United States. Investors appreciate investing alongside Silvas Capital to take advantage of not only their extensive experience, but also their detailed research and exclusive relationships. Silvas Capital offers multifamily investment opportunities without the day-to-day hassles of owning real estate while generating strong returns. Amy Silvis and Robert talk about building a business by design around her own health issues. Amy shares about the power of coach and wishing she'd had one sooner, but found value in each of her failures. She also studied how the mind works and training your brain to see the positive creates more opportunity. Amy, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to have this conversation and look forward to learning more about your journey.
1: Likewise Robert, thanks so much for having me. What a what a special time to be able to be here.
0: Absolutely. So my first question is always tell us about your entrepreneurial journey and what's got you to how you're serving people today.
1: Yes. So I am a real estate investor. I buy buy large commercial real estate properties, multifamily, industrial and allow folks that are interested in generating passive income without the habit the, the hassles of tenants toilets and termites to invest alongside us and of course I love to serve my investors and then serve the residents and tenants in my commercial real estate properties.
0: All right, but now you got to tell us about the journey, and how you got there. Yes,
1: yeah, absolutely. Well, to, we can we can dive into it, but essentially I was born with a health condition where I always knew that I wasn't quite sure how long I would live. This ends up really well, so I'm not gonna, I don't wanna go too dark on you all, Uh, but wasn't also, I didn't know how long I'd be able to trade my time for money in my W-2 job. So I was always looking for a way to generate passive income, to be able to support myself, pay my medical bills uh, and all of those things. And so commercial real estate investing was really uh, the answer that, that I finally stumbled upon. It took me 10 long years and several failures uh, to finally break into this space, but uh, we're finally here, and uh, it's been a great journey, and I'm better for it.
0: All right, so I guess what, where, where did you learn the idea of, of of passive income and and even that possibility?
1: Yes, I was very fortunate. You know, I'm out here in Los Angeles. I love to go to our local libraries, and I just happened to stumble upon that uh, purple book that I think a lot of us are familiar with, called Rich Dad Poor Dad. And my paradigm just really exploded. Um, I grew up in a very humble, middle class family. Uh, my father, at 68 years old, still does manual labor. So this concept of not trading time for money, of you know, income coming in passively from assets was, wasn't even on my radar, but I will forever be grateful to Robert Kiyosaki for that paradigm shift that really helped me understand what was possible.
0: Absolutely. Well, so tell me a little bit more about this 10 years. What what, what kind of things were you trying? What kind of things were you? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Exper- I mean, how are you learning? Right. This this yes. this is obviously the, the learning journey. And I know a lot of people. Right. They look at you and they say, oh, she's just an overnight success. But yeah. <laughs> there's a there was a 10 year mountain climb to to be an overnight success.
1: Yes, I know. So funny, isn't it? So I, I'm a pretty open book about my health challenges. I have cystic fibrosis. So if anyone has heard of that or maybe doesn't know exactly what that is, it's a it's a lung condition where uh, I get, well, I don't anymore because I'm on a miracle medication three years ago. That's another story. But at the time I was in and out of the hospital with repeated pneumonia, trying very hard to balance, as you mentioned, getting this entrepreneurial journey off the ground, working with my W-2 and then my health challenges. So Yes, I you know I really started off trying to apply what I learned in the book and a few other books that I had been reading, but I uh, I probably should have gotten a coach, which I didn't. I just jumped right in to be able to, to you know to see how I could get into the entrepreneurial journey. Got under contract with several small multifamily investments in a local area and really you know learned from the school of hard knocks <laughs> what the obstacles could be and and were uh, trying to break into this industry. There was a whole bunch of information I didn't know that I didn't know that I didn't know more importantly and um, press repeat on that several times along with yeah, health challenges that that really kind of rocked me. And that was a long 10 year journey of trials and failures.
0: So now obviously most people feel like, you know, Oh, it's great. You can, you can invest in, in real estate, but, but, but I don't have any money. So how, how could I, how could I do that? And obviously if you're dealing with these health, health issues, you're, you're barely able to hold on to your regular job and trying to make some of these deals happen. You're, you're doing it without some of your own resources.
1: Yes. Yes. So the pivot there, yeah. What was absolutely, uh, you know, trying to find a way to be valuable to people that were looking to deploy their own capital. So to your point, yes. You know, uh, the, The OPM, the other people's money, was definitely a part of that journey and something that I was eager to to delve into. So uh, yeah, finding investors, finding people that maybe were high net worth, W-2 employees, but that were very busy with their job, busy with their family, their hobbies. So they weren't interested in the day-to-day operations of real estate. That could be my value add to those folks. And we could do deals where investors would bring the money, I'd bring the sweat equity equity Know-how and experience, and uh, we would be able to partner in that way. I don't know if I'm going down the road you were you were trying to go down. Let me know.
0: You're you're perfectly fine. (laughs) You're the guest; you get to decide. Yeah.
1: (laughs) You know your audience, though, so I'm always mindful of, of adding value to them as much as we can.
0: Well, I mean, so the the biggest, you know, for me, it's encouraging people that 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 when things look impossible, it's that's the time to. To lean in yes. rather than quit, and and I think that the challenge can be when when something feels impossible, when 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 a big deal falls through, when you lose money on a deal, that the temptation is to say, "Oh, I can't do this. This won't work," and right. and and people pivot to something else,
1: yes. and,
0: and then they're starting from zero again, yes. rather than leaning in, saying, "Well, that was an expensive lesson. That stunk, but I'm still in this."
1: Yes. I love that. I love that because there is so much value in those failures. Um, as tough as they are, um, there is a learning curve, right? And, and almost, it's almost inevitable to get through that. Learn, you know, get through those uh, obstacles, those failures, and they're a big path to success. So, in fact, my my first deal after ten years that I finally got done was in July of 2020. And raise your hand if you remember what was going on at that time. <laughs> quarter over quarter GDP, I think, plummeted by over 30%. Unemployment was over 10%. I mean, it really, we didn't have vaccines. Everyone was just kind of wondering what was going on in the pandemic. And I think it would have been really easy uh, to kind of walk away and throw my hands up and say, there's you know, way too much uncertainty. Had it not been for those past 10 years of failure, I don't know if I would have had that kind of gumption to say, you know, I haven't gone this far to go this far, right? <laughs> if there's more and you know i can find ways to make this happen so i love that you say that robert um failure is just part of the journey not the end
0: right well so let's talk about talk about that deal and and i i don't want to make assumptions but it sounds to me like you're trying really hard to create multiple wins here because you've got properties that need tenants yes you got investors that that need to to generate revenue yep and and you, you're not you're not a slumlord. I, you don't you don't look like a slumlord. So Can't
1: be. No. <laughs> so, yeah. so
0: let's talk about this process of creating, creating a win for investors, a win for tenants. And of course, you as the facilitator, you know, get a win, too. And so it, it really can be a, a service opportunity where, where everybody benefits.
1: I love that. I love that you bring that up because I, you know, I I think our culture in some ways does teach us that in order to kind of succeed, we may need to maybe not do best by people. And I just refuse to live in that world. I I firmly believe that we can care for others, care for our residents, care for our investors and still be successful ourselves as entrepreneurs. So, in fact, I would argue those things are inextricably linked. If I do care for people, right, you know, what a concept, right? If I do care for people, I'll be that much more successful. So that is one of the reasons I really do love this space, because I've seen it firsthand and I get these notes from our residents that are just so overjoyed that we're providing them something that enhances their life. And at the same time, I know we're making you know, a good return for our investors. So it is fulfilling beyond words. And um, yeah, would love to dive into that if, if, if that's interesting to you.
0: Absolutely. So, yeah, <laughs> we definitely want to dig in deeper there. Yes. Yes. And and talk about the value and principles that that you're building, you know, your company on but but how those are proving out to be, you know, inextricably linked that the yes. fact that you if you add more value for your tenants, it creates more return on investment for your investors and 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 nobody's being taken advantage of.
1: Right. Yes, you know, I think uh, it all begins with obviously that mindset, right? And that mindset of of caring for people and knowing that we must do the right thing, we want to do the right thing in order to have the the, the dollar and return results we want. That influences and helps us understand what type of properties we want to buy in order to be able to make that equation happen. So, to your point, you know, being a slumlord, not not in the cards. But at the same time, you know, I'll I'll give an example of the last property we just bought in Huntsville, Alabama, being very mindful of the current tenant base when we purchase uh, a project and understanding what do the residents want. So we're not going to go in and buy a D-class property, if it were, in an area where income isn't rising and have a business plan of, oh, hey, we're going to renovate these units and, you know, put in granite countertops and, you know, beautiful flooring and, and turn this into a class A type uh, apartment complex when the residents clearly don't necessarily want that, but also don't have the income to support that. That doesn't make sense, right? So, being intentional about the strategy as we were, as we are in this last deal we just purchased, where residents are living in a 1980s type building that hasn't been renovated, but they're begging for some nicer finishes. Their incomes are rising because more jobs are coming into Huntsville. And so, creating that win win where we essentially before buying the apartment, say, hey, we're planning on doing these types of renovations and we may have to increase the rent a hundred or $150 a month. Is that something that works for you all? Is that something you all desire? Because we're not looking to displace a whole bunch of residents either. That's not a good neighborly thing. So um, I guess all this is to say, you know, having a conversation, getting to know your customers who are our residents and providing them what they need, what they want, instead of trying to fit a square peg in a round hole, uh, as it were. So um, it's very intentional about creating that value uh, and then, yeah, go ahead and executing on it because we know we're providing something that folks want.
0: Well, obviously the communication is, is a big piece, right? Being able yes. to be open with them, being able to communicate, this is what we'd like to do, What what is it that you'd really want, obviously creates more opportunities rather than you know, somebody just buying the property, not telling anybody anything, and everybody feels like you know their their world is <laughs> in chaos because they just don't right. know. You know, is there is their home secure? Is there? And obviously, home security is 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 a big piece of uh, daily life, right? Knowing yes. that you you have a home that you can come back to that that's that's not going to be taken out from under you. Yes, is an important piece. So obviously buying occupied units and wanting to do renovations creates its own next level challenge.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yeah, it can be challenging.
0: So how do you, how do you help accommodate families in in a process like that?
1: Well, our strategy is really, we don't do renovations until residents either decide to relocate to another unit. Um, or if they decide to uh, not um, not renew their lease, and perhaps they want to go to one of our sister properties or, or something along those lines, um, we do make an exception if residents are very motivated to be able to, you know, have us replace some flooring while they're in their unit, or uh, you know, do some kitchen or, or bathroom work. So again, it really does come back to that communication and setting proper expectations and making sure were uh, not disruptive uh, to what residents are looking for. So I think having the options there of, hey, do you wanna to move to the the vacant neighboring unit just you know, right across the way uh, while we renovate your unit or yeah, w- what does that look like that works best? And the key to that is having an amazing property manager that shares our values and our vision for what the business should look like as well and how people should be treated, right? Cause I'm just, I'm in Los Angeles, I'm not in Huntsville, Alabama. So who's kind of carrying my message and my values and my intention through it's, it's really our third property, third-party property management company, uh, that helps us do that as well.
0: that was, that was going to be where I went next is because you are in Los Angeles and you're buying properties in different States and different cities. And how are you maintaining that, that level of customer service and, and customer care?
1: Yes. Imperative. Um, and at the risk of repeating myself, you know when we first decided to partner with this property management company, you know we obviously wanted to understand their skills and their um, their history, how they've performed, but we wanted to understand their mindset and if they truly were in a place where they felt the way that we did uh, in terms of that abundance mindset of being able to reach our business goals while caring for folks. So and that trickles down throughout their organization. So that coupled with having business partners, that are owners with me in these projects that live locally as well, I think makes for a very good kind of continuity of values and experience for our residents in our apartment buildings.
0: So are you using a single property management across the country or do you have multiple property management partners?
1: Yes. So, so far in the residential space, we have a single property management company that has the scale and their ability to yeah, to grow along with us in the various areas in the Southeast and the Midwest where we are. Um, I have a prop, excuse me, an industrial project that I'm working on right now, since that's a different, you know, uh, genre of our different asset in the real estate space. That's a different property management company altogether. But for residential multifamily that I do, yeah, it's just a single point of contact because they're that amazing.
0: That's fantastic. Yes. <clears throat> so so let's talk about this industrial project and, and what why, how that adds a revenue stream that that's outside of, you know, I mean, I don't know if most people listening know that, that the average millionaire has seven revenue streams. And, and so property typically can't be just single, you know, single-minded into one passive income stream.
1: Yes. Yes. I love that. You say that I, I am big on diversification for my you know entire investment portfolio, right? I'm in the stock market. I know some people in real estate, you know, say not so favorable things about it. I, I firmly believe I, you know, I sleep best at night by having multiple asset classes, uh, including, yeah, bullion, um, commodities and such, but I have the same philosophy in, in real estate and commercial real estate as well. I think multifamily is amazing. I love the impact it can, it can create, but industrial is another part, important part of my portfolio that I'm looking to grow because it is, you know, it, can cycle at the same way multifamily can, but there are also other aspects of it that make it different and make it a diversification play. You know, uh, our tenants live there, or not live, but occupy the space longer, right? These aren't necessarily one-year leases. Uh, They're triple net leases. So that means we, as the owners, aren't paying for uh, the repairs and maintenance, which the cost is going up for that, or taxes um, and the like. So that's important. And uh, it's in another great market that I haven't entered yet, but I've been looking into for quite a bit. So there's some geographic diversification there that I also find to be very valuable.
0: Nice. So obviously, if the property management handles tenants and getting getting tenants into into buildings, your focus can be your relationship with your investors. Yes. What's, what's helped you the most in in finding investors especially early on right when when you're nobody or you feel like you're nobody in the space
1: that's very real that was probably one of my biggest mindset challenges getting into real estate was okay i think i can understand how to find deals i think i can you know figure out how to operate them but who am i to approach people and say yes trust me with your hundred thousand dollar investment that you've worked your tail off to uh To accumulate and you know i'm amy i'm brand new you know i'm not going to be uh disingenuous about that it was really coming up with an or you know we kind of think of um or scenarios i came up with an and scenario if you will in my head of you know being business partners with people that had experience that had a track record where i could feel a lot more comfortable telling you know friends family connections as i started off of, hey, yes, I'm new, you know, let's let's call out the elephant in the room, but I'm teaming up with these people that have this experience that make me comfortable to be able to tell you, you know, hey, this may be an opportunity for you to consider. Nice. Yeah.
0: So let's talk about the power of connection and, and how those connections have helped you grow your business.
1: Yes. I think, you know, anyone who's been in sales and I think has been successful at it realizes that you're just going to go around asking people to do something for you it may not necessarily be the best strategy, right? It, it is really about offering an opportunity or solving a problem or meeting people where they are. So having connections, I, I, I'm a big fan of LinkedIn. I'm a big fan of in-person networking. I'm a USC Trojan alum. It's kind of in our blood uh, to to always network and do business with people um, at football games and, and the like. But really just talking about what i'm up to what i'm doing and for some people it's interesting they've always wanted to be in real estate they didn't have the time or the the know-how and for other people it's not a good fit it's not interesting to them and um, i really have that mindset of you know i'm here to add value to folks where appropriate but you know I, i'm not the type of person and i don't believe in you know pushing things on people or having to get you know all salesy as most people kind of think about it I don't know if that answers your question. Let me know.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Right. So obviously one of the mindset shifts, tools that 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 I use and help people with is gratitude and, and the power of gratitude. How has gratitude served you in your growth journey?
1: Oh, I was writing in my gratitude journal this morning. <laughs> um, studying how the mind works has been a big part of this entrepreneurial journey for me. Um, I heard this over this weekend in this conference I was attending. I've heard it before, but I just think it's so powerful and worth repeating. You know, our eyes take in so much information and data, and our brain thinks many thoughts, often subconsciously. And it really is within our control to figure out what we pay attention to, what we allow to inhibit our brain space. And that, it really is the lens through which we see the world and then take action from. So... Gratitude is so transformational for me because it trains my brain to see the good. And it doesn't mean, you know, I'm blind to other things going on in the world or in my own personal situation, but instead it allows me to see opportunity, to to, to seize it, excuse me. And that simply means I can serve people who are counting on me or that I can help that much better. If I'm in a down, you know, in a down space in my head, there are investors out there that are looking to build their wealth so they can spend more time with their children. (laughs) This may seem a little out there, but it's true. And if I'm not in the space to serve them, that's a missed opportunity for me to be able to help someone. So gratitude is really cornerstone for a daily practice for me. I love that you said that.
0: Hmm. Well, thank you. Absolutely. I think it's, it's one of those power, power tools in, in the personal development space. And, and I think entrepreneurs, either figure it out or they don't stay entrepreneurs very long.
1: Yes. Yeah. That's such a great point.
0: Or they become like Robert talks about, you know, really bad bosses. They own it. They own the, they own their own job, but they have a bad boss.
1: Right. Yeah. All said.
0: So obviously beginning this process, medical issues, challenges. I mean, obviously trying to keep your job, trying to, trying to keep your health, and, and still trying to learn these things and apply them and, and put them in, into use. How, how did you develop the confidence to, to start meeting with people and, and trying to make some some deals happen?
1: Yeah, that, that's a really powerful question. I, it took a bit. I, I, was, I, I was really concerned about what I could be of value to to a team. And I guess maybe it's worth backing up for a second. I always was of the mindset of, I need to do this, I need to get this done. And once it occurred to me of, hey, I can join a team, I can add value to a team. I wasn't all that sure what value, but going further faster with a team was was something it did take me a little bit longer to realize. And yes, once I got there, really understanding what value could I bring and, and kind of those, those self-doubt questions. And what I discovered because um, although my health was in an amazing place with this miracle medication when COVID came, I was still a bit isolated at home on purpose and had all the time in the world to add value to an existing team. So that's what I did. I, I showed up uh, with a few folks that I passively invested with and said, hey, you know me, I'm invested in this deal. I'm sheltering in place with, for COVID and I've got a lot of time in front of my computer. What can I do? What can I take off your plate? what can I help you with? I have skills in market research. I'm you know, good at Excel. Uh, and most importantly, I've got time. So let's go. Um, and that really was a pivotal point for me because it was an opportunity for me to have no expectation of anything in return, but develop and further this relationship with these people that I was excited to get to know and have them get to know what I was capable of and how I might be able to help their business.
0: Wow. I mean, obviously that's like the go giver in action, right? Just yes. just putting other people first and and with no expectation of, of getting something in return, and and that's yes. that's pretty powerful. So so let, let's dig into that power of that investment in those relationships and yes. and and how that's helped you grow, and and obviously but gain. See, they throw around no like and trust, and the truth the truth is it, it's. I don't I think those are overrated there's no longer I mean I got a whole phone full of people that know like and trust me but yeah but we're not do, doing business together it's it's yes. no like and trust but there's a there's a level of um, belief that changes when somebody's willing to do business with you yes. and, and I think you putting yourself out there and serving first helped amplify people's belief in, in you, and maybe even your belief in yourself.
1: I love that. That's powerful.
0: We will be right back after this short break. This episode is sponsored by Perfect Publishing, a different approach to publishing a book. Perfect Publishing carefully chooses heroes of hope who exemplify living a life they created through faith, hope, patience, and persistence. No matter what page you open to in this mini cube of hope, you will find a leader with a big heart. You will see you are not alone. The authors may share similar challenges that only hope and action could resolve. Get your free ebook at getadoseofhope.com. Welcome back. Let's get back to more greatness.
1: Yeah, I, I think you know true relationships take time, right? We're in a culture where everything, maybe the expectation is instant, instant gratification, instant relationship, and um, you know it, it really. I I think about things long term. Um, even though it's not always the most, you know, maybe instantly gratifying way, but yeah, showing people just kind of who I am and the simple things of doing what you say you're going to do. Uh, even when times are tough, focusing on the positive and encouraging other people when they're down, right. Even the most successful people have times that are frustrating and they have mindset challenges. Right. (laughs) So I, you know, one of my business partners fell ill and, You know, although I wasn't there necessarily with the skills to be able to help the team, I was the smiling face and not a fake smile, the genuine smile, the genuine belief that, hey, you know, I will be the person that can listen to you. Um, I will help all of us come together and remember the positive and focus on what is within our control. I think if things come from a genuine place, people understand that. Um, So... Yeah, I guess I, I guess those are some of the additions to the no like and trust that you mentioned, or maybe the enhancements, if you will.
0: Well, so that leads me to you know one of the things in this online space and and maybe in in real estate investing it, it, it can apply to is the temptation to to fake it right to fake it till you make it and some people I, I think people misconstrue right the mindset shift of fake it till you make it right there's there's a there's a reality of believing yourself in in the new place which yes. isn't isn't quite faking it really but some people have taken the fake it till you make it to you know rent an Airbnb and take photos in the fancy Airbnb with a rental car up front and and and, and really not being the, their true selves but right. so how did Amy find the the self-belief and the the value in herself to be this authentic version of yourself?
1: I I think authenticity is important and I'm going to be authentic with you. I think it's exhausting to be anything else other than myself. I would like to, you know, I think it's the right thing to do. Obviously. You know, I I do think from a moral and ethical perspective. Yeah. I mean, of course, misrepresenting yourself isn't great, but um, I'm able to form connections and genuine relationships with people by just yeah. Being vulnerable and being open. I mean, I'm not running around dumping all my dirty laundry on everybody. Right. But if i don't know something or if i'm unsure i just communicate that you know i, I try to make sure to be authentic in that space and i think um, in this era to you, to your point where people aren't quite sure you know what's real what isn't being able to just be yourself even if there are shortcomings can be more valuable to relationships than just pretending or faking it till you make it so That's really my perspective um, on, yeah, what relationships can look like and why I've chosen to be as authentic as as possible.
0: All right. So let's talk about mentors and how mentors have have helped Amy get get to where she's gotten.
1: Yes. I decided to enroll and invest a good amount of money in a guru coaching program, which I know some people kind of thumb their nose at, which I understand. I completely understand. Um, But it was something where I really thought, you know, if this is going to be my career if this is where i think i'm truly going to be able to impact the world uh, and 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 serve others i am going to almost burn the ships and invest this money and have no chance but to succeed and you know being around folks that have that are where i want to be that have the similar mindset that can you know hold me accountable uh, check in and really enhance my development in a pretty, you know, intense and strategic way. What was really pivotal, well, pivotal, excuse me, for me. Uh, it's not for everybody, but but I do think that intentional investment was very helpful. And even after that kind of, I guess, real estate one hundred and one kind of fundamentals coaching that I went through for a year and a half, I continue to work with co- mindset coaches, with entrepreneurial coaches, because I, I love the phrase "go further, faster." I have blind spots, right? We all do, and I'm not always aware of what mine are. And I think, you know, coaches can really add value in that space with their experience and and their knowledge as well.
0: Well, obviously, I'm not going to argue with you because <laughs> so that's my space. And, but yes,
1: yes, you get but, it. But I you think
0: I think people get get confused, and 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 value is one of those those challenging things. And, and obviously the coaching space is blowing up. There's a lot of people out there promoting themselves as coaches and, and, and creating, creating programs. But I, it was interesting that you, you said I did the guru thing, but that's not for everybody. Uh, But I think it's kind of like, you know, an MLM or, or other opportunity that, that, you know, everybody has a feeling about, and yet the reality is if you work it it works and 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 good point and so the hiring the guru and paying the the, the large investment i i love that you said it's like burning the burning the ships and saying i'm all in and, and i've got to make this work and and i think that there's something to that little bit of extra i don't have a choice in this now i'm i've got so much invested in this that i have to make it work Yep. as a little bit of a driver and yep. and that's pretty powerful i think it's proven out over the four years that i've been coaching that the more the more somebody pays the, the better results they get and and regardless of what program we teach or talk about or use the the more they're invested the more value they receive from it
1: isn't that true i i've recently been thinking about that concept as well as i'm you know several years into this but Yes. I mean, we are we are humans after all, you know, money, although, you know, shouldn't necessarily rule us, you know, definitely has an impact on how we're able to live life and where uh, focus goes. Energy flows, as the great Tony Robbins says. Right. So if, if our, you know, our focus is where our money uh, is going and what we've spent on, on the coaches, we're definitely going to make sure that that's a worthwhile investment. And what a cool feeling when it is, though. I mean because it'll be right it'll be multiples of what you spend at least that's what I found so then you look back and go oh this was a no brainer I will do this 7 days a week twice on Sundays if I can make a multiple of what I've invested in coaching it makes perfect sense
0: Well and and because you've had those kind of results you recognize the 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 power of coaching in yes. as a as a multiplier right it's yes. it helps you exponentially helps you you know think differently helps you focus differently and and really just helps it's not like a coach is is telling you step by step you know what to do but he's drawing out of you the best choices and the best decisions because mm-hmm. there's that level of accountability and mm. and and just that that outside looking over everything you're doing set of eyes it has a different perspective and and, and yes. can be so powerful and i think people especially entrepreneurs they get into business thinking, I know what I'm doing. I got this thing done and, and I've figured it out. I've gone to school. I got the certification and they're like, oh, I don't, I don't need any help. Right. I'm a grown adult.
1: <laughs> I love that. It, you know, it just reminded me, maybe this analogy will be helpful to some people. It was to me. I was just talking to my husband this morning about the fact that we're both getting uh, personal trainers. You know, I've been working with one for a little bit. Uh, he's a bit more athletically inclined than I am but you know having someone and it's not that i don't know how to work out right but having someone observe me and just even sometimes it's even just tweaking little things about my movement that can explode the results i get in terms of my physical fitness and such and then also knowing you know this is an expensive investment i have set aside several days a week well, i'm paying this money and i'm not getting it back so you better believe that in addition to the actual you know coaching that goes on uh training that goes on inside the gym those are time slots that are firmly entrenched in my calendar and I am showing up because I'm not letting that money go to waste. So there are just so many levels of ways. And again, that's just the physical fitness perspective. But I think it's analogy, analogous to you know what you can do with an entrepreneurial coach or, or a business coach um, with the accountability, with the with the blind spot recognition. And sometimes it's just those small tweaks that can really explode your results.
0: Well, and it it really is very similar, right? The journey for your your health and and body is very similar to the journey in your mind and in your business growth, and so yes, those yes. are those are very comparable <laughs> in in what it requires and 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 what you get when you actually focus on it and and you do you know you do what's necessary to, to take care of your body, you do what's necessary to take care of your business, and and good things happen.
1: Yes, yeah, and Kobe Bryant had a coach, right? I mean, we we all know death multiple,
0: multiple coaches, exactly.
1: Yeah, Tom Brady. I mean. Are they the best at their craft? Yes, but are they still intentionally inviting people into you know, their improvement? I think uh, at least that resonates highly with me.
0: Well, and the Tom Brady one, I always love to, to sh- remind people that Tom Brady's quarterback coach has never won a Super Bowl as a wow. player. Good point. And yet, and yet Tom Brady pays him a lot of money to to be his quarterback coach. Yes. And Tom Brady's arguably the best quarterback. Co- Kobe Bryant's arguably one of the best basketball players in the history of the game. Correct. And yet they hire coaches to help them, you know, with their technique and, and, and with their workout and with their different aspects. In fact, some of them have, you know, multiple coaches (laughs) that they're paying to help them in multiple areas. Um, and, and a coach can be a real powerful tool to keep you at that highest level. Love it. Yeah, me too. (laughs) All right. So we'll, uh, jump around what's sure. uh this is typically the hardest question so all right once you be prepared what was your most memorable date with your husband
1: oh our second date we are big college football fans and we went to the first ever uh semi-final national uh yeah national championship playoff game as you all know maybe uh, college football you know, used to not even have a national championship game. So we're in Pasadena. We went down to the Rose Bowl and uh, yeah, that was our our second date. And it was eventful in that respect, but it was also eventful because we shared our long-term goals with each other. Uh, And I mentioned how many real estate uh, multifamily doors I wanted to accumulate, which is around 4,000 in the next, I said, in the next 10 years. And he just went, Wait, what? What are you talking about? But it was a. It's important with your life partner to share those uh, those goals that you have, and uh, you know, see if if they align and if that's the life you want to create together. So, very memorable.
0: So, obviously, you didn't scare him away. So that's that was good. (laughs) Arguably. (laughs) Yeah, I guess I'm assuming it was good.
1: (laughs) Yeah. No. Of course. No. Yeah. He was. I think he was a little overwhelmed, but also excited too. Yeah. That, yeah. So
0: ambitious. So one of the, one of the things I encourage entrepreneurs, especially those people considering entrepreneurship is the idea of being able to design the life that you want. And you're talking about those long-term goals and build a business to support it and build a business around your family, around your values, around the things that are important to you. Now, obviously you've had to do that with your health and you've had to do that now with a marriage and and, and sh- share with me that how that's come together for you and, and your belief in, in your ability to to create the business to support the life that you want.
1: I love that. Yes. You know, I, my husband and I dream and oh, this will probably start to come to reality in 2023 of being of having more geographic freedom. So slow traveling or living, you know, for several months in different locations across the world is something we're eager to do. So As we make decisions about multifamily and industrial investment and, you know, putting in systems and processes and hiring support staff and such, yes, very, we always keep those long-term goals in mind in terms of how we're we're building this business. We also have a strong focus on giving back to charity. My husband grew up in East Los Angeles and was a product of the after-school programs that really kept, you know, him... Uh, taken care of and enriched while his parents were working after school. And we're so excited to, you know, financially give abundantly to the next generation here in Los Angeles. And so, you know, making decisions. We live in an apartment in Los Angeles. Could we afford a home? Absolutely. Uh, Is that something that we'll do one day? Maybe. But also around the business that we're building, we're making personal finance decisions from the revenue that comes in from the business and planning how we're going to let that money flow through us to organizations that we're uh, interested in supporting as well.
0: Well, I love that. I think contribution is is such an important part, and I think entrepreneurs are, have the opportunity to save the world. And and because they can respond to issues, they can they can make decisions. And and first of all, they're they're the most creative people in the world. Yeah. And so I I love that you mentioned contribution. So how has that helped, either drive you or or. Um, been a part of of building the business, right?
1: Yes. I think having that why, you know, we all have a why for ourselves and our family, but having a greater why is so driving as well because you know, I don't have to tell you the entrepreneur journey journey can have its bumps in the road. There can be times that are <laughs> that are difficult. Think okay, why am I signing up for, you know, doing this and, and and you know, some of these challenges that that kind of inevitably come, but reflecting back on, you know, seven and eight-year-olds through no fault of their own are born into a certain socioeconomic position, right? And their life is just as valuable as the children across the city that are in Beverly Hills that have great schooling and, you know, resources to help them grow. Uh, So keeping that greater why, I get goosebumps just talking about it, keeping that greater why can be so motivating because uh, every life is valuable to us and we're just so excited to be a part of, of caring for folks. And you know, my husband and I live pretty humbly. Our our monthly expenses aren't that much intentionally, but we still have a drive to grow our business. Well, why? If we're living a certain lifestyle and we don't necessarily planning on changing all that, well, the why is that's going to give us more abundance to, again, care for care for these children. So uh, I think it drives and encourages and focuses us tremendously.
0: Oh, so good. All right. Earlier, we kind of talked about Amy and, 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 you know, 10 year journey to, to getting your first deal done. Um, and we talked about mentors and having mentors in your life, but I want to specifically talk about the power of borrowed belief and, and were you able to borrow somebody's belief in you in that journey, in that process until, until you believed in yourself enough?
1: I love that. Absolutely. At coaches, family. Uh, you know, my my parents have always, oh, I think about my parents, and maybe this relates to some people, you know, being told that their daughter would likely only be to be lived to be 16 years old. I'm 41, complete with the gray hair and wrinkles. I know it's great. But the belief that you have to have as parents to be able to pour in to that child and raise her and let her know that anything is possible. Um, you know still, yeah, would, throughout that journey, I was still very grateful that my parents saw things in me. My husband saw things in me, my coaches saw things in me. Uh, that you know, although times you know were difficult and bumpy before this miracle almost cure medication I'm on for cystic fibrosis, that they knew I had what it what it could take when I was really surrounded by self-doubt. So yes, having that support system, I'm not sure where I would be without it. I kind of don't want to think about it, but I am grateful for what I do have.
0: Well and, and that's important for for other people to understand is is get people around you that that yes. believe in you right surround mm-hmm. yourself with people that understand your vision and and aren't throwing you know continuing the doubt machines and and I love yeah. that that you credit your parents and 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 mm-hmm. thankfully right i mean generations ago it was easy to say well they're only going to live to 16 so let's not even teach them to, to read or write like let's, right. just, let's just let them sit in a corner and and or even worse, put them in an institution where, where they just wait to die. And right. and of course, what's going to happen, they're going to die because they're waiting to die right. rather than, yes. rather than believing in the, in the yes. power of, of positivity and encouragement and life. And, and I'm a firm believer that, that this body is designed to heal itself, but yes. it only does that in the positive vibrational states yes. of joy and love and, and peace. and, and it can only find that when there's a group of people believing and and encouraging and you know whether you call that the power of prayer you call it but spirit exists and it's all around us and we all yes. can tap into it but yes. it only it's only going to tap into you know on those on those positive sides and so so good that your parents you know loved you the way that they did and encouraged you the way that they did and 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 of course that leads to other people loving you at the level that you're worth, right? Because that's how you find a husband that's at the same vibrational frequency and, and, and has the same level of belief and encouragement. And people that are, that are feeling bad, they're in this depressed state and they, they've got a they need somebody to believe in them. They need somebody to help them, you know, believe in themselves and and develop that to that point where, where they can start experiencing (laughs) love and joy and, 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 and yeah, there's some medicines out there that that can help with those things. But the truth is, the brain's designed to help you feel better.
1: Yes, <laughs> it wants yeah, and to we're designed you feel to be a community. Yeah, absolutely, couldn't agree more.
0: All right, so obviously, with with cystic fibrosis, you were you were in a space right to protect your lungs and and all these things. I'm sure your parents wanted to protect you in lots of ways. But how important is play and fun? And, and how did you incorporate play and fun into your growth and family life?
1: It's everything. I, I think having a, you know, appropriately childlike kind of glee for life and, and sense of humor is, is everything. Um, I alluded to my father, the example that he gave me, he, he's a general contractor and spends all of his days underneath people's houses in Los Angeles, bolting their houses to their foundations. Nice. Very lonely, um, you know, labor intensive. But does he find time at every opportunity to have fun? Does he pretend to be a mouse underneath the floorboard when he knows there's a little, you know, three-year-old boy that's you know in the house above him? And they play a little game of you know trying to. It's a small example that I saw throughout childhood of, regardless of our circumstances, we can make our lives joyful. We can have connections with people through humor. We can enhance our relationships with people through humor. Um, I'm a college football fan, as I mentioned, and you know, even as I do real estate, you know, sports is a is a common theme where you know some some light poking and, and teasing is is part of the uh, part of the culture, and you know, even doing that with business partners is is a bit fun. So yes, I think I think having fun, bringing in that childlike um, uh, type of awe and excitement for the world has been everything for me. I think it makes life just that much more uh, exciting and I think it makes business successful.
0: Well I, I it's not very fun since uh, our our university moved into the Pac 12. I'm just gonna say it like it's it's been a very hurtful experience.
1: Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs>
0: having oh, having to play
1: right
0: having to play the powerhouses that that Or along the West coast is, is, is very challenging. (laughs) And, and part of it is the team is just is no longer where it was in the nineties when it was part of the national championship, you know, conversation and, and and earned a couple national championships and and has not come back very well from those days.
1: (laughs) I hear you. USC had a very long drought itself. And in addition to uh, some sanctions, so yeah, things can get, things can get rough. But we know because we've got the mindset that right. are all around the corner, right?
0: <laughs> exactly. Yes. All right, Amy. How how have routines? You mentioned your gratitude journal. What other routines do you have that that help you prepare for your day and and keep keep this keep this train moving in the direction you want?
1: Yes. Hal Alrod's Miracle Morning. If I'm sure many have heard of that, but I do my savers every morning. I was out this morning on my my ten minute walk just to get some uh, some morning sunlight without sunglasses and such. Um, and for those of you who aren't familiar with savers, it's a practice, a 10-minute practice of each of these five, or excuse me, six things of uh, silence, so meditation or prayer. Uh, the A is affirmations, so speaking goodness and truth out loud into our lives. V is visualization, visualizing our future and feeling the emotion that, that you will feel in the present when you achieve the you know your goals or what your vision is e is exercise r is reading a bit i'd love to do that and then uh what is the final s why am i blanking (laughs) um what first one is silence the other one is oh scribing writing so it's that gratitude journal excuse me um so yes doing all six of those things it's an important way to set up my my morning when my brain is still, you know, in those levels of vibration where my subconscious is more impressionable and I can steer my day.
0: Yeah, those are fantastic. And uh, yeah, big fan of Miracle Morning and all of its different iterations, but yes. ultimately, you know, a routine is, is so important um, just to, yeah, shift your mindset and, and take advantage of, of using your brain at its highest level right? Yes. It needs just as much exercise as the rest of your body does. And so, so important.
1: Yes. Be intentional with it.
0: All right. Whew. Getting down to it. All right. Amy, Amy what, what inspires you?
1: Gosh, what inspires me? I think people defying the odds. Mm-hmm. I, I, I have a friend uh, with cystic fibrosis who unfortunately isn't able to benefit from the miracle drug that I'm on that's transformed my life. And examples like her, but specifically her, of still moving forward, um, having a positive outlook, of being determined to solve an issue, to find a way to bring in health and joy and and vibrance to her life. You know, I, I think life is easy, right? When things are all going your way, but when people have struggle, and, and they still decide to carry this era, of, this era of positivity and, and determination to reach their goals. Um, it, it's inspiring beyond words. Nice. Yes.
0: All right. What do you love to do in your free time besides USC games?
1: Yes, <laughs> uh, I love to travel, uh, specifically internationally. Um, <clears throat> I feel closest to source, to God, to my creator when I travel. Seeing people that are different than me, that have different histories, values, uh, customs, ways of thinking, it just I feel that it really expands my, my brain, brings more context to my life, obviously brings more gratitude, um, and it's just special to see all the different ways people are people, so uh, I try to do that whenever I can, and being around folks that are you know, more different than me than similar is is really a special gift.
0: Nice. All right. So where, where have you been recently?
1: Oh my gosh. So the last time I went overseas was pre COVID went to Budapest in Hungary. Highly, highly recommend. Um, Yeah. Great people, great food, great history. uh, And uh, yeah, inexpensive, which is also a nice bonus.
0: That's right. Absolutely. Yeah, wife and I love to travel, but have not gotten out of the country in, in a little bit. So
1: yes, same. Complete. Yeah.
0: Although I've been blessed, like so I've been, you know, in more than 30 countries. And so now my Ooh. wife's like, you gotta catch me up. So yes. COVID hasn't helped. We had right. a, we had a trip to Ireland planned, we had a cruise planned and all those things. Uh, yeah, nothing's replaced them yet. So yes. we'll, uh, we gotta get those get those going. Good. All right. Amy, what's, what's the big dream?
1: Ooh, I have two charities that I want to put out of the fundraising business. I want Ooh. to endow them to the point where they do not have to fundraise anymore. So one of them is Heart of LA, which is uh, the after school program that my husband and I love to support. And the other is Emily's Entourage. That is my friend Emily with Cystic Fibrosis. That is her uh, a research organization finding a treatment for the last 10% of people with CF that do not benefit from the drug that I'm on.
0: I love that. (laughs) Put out of the fundraising business. That is so powerful. (laughs) Thank Uh, you. Good good for you. Well, Amy, this has been fantastic. We've spent an hour with this audience listening to all your, your story and your great journey and wisdom. And now you want to, I want you to leave them with Amy's words of wisdom. What would you share?
1: You know, I would share you become like the five people that you're around the most. Uh, Not only is it good for you, for your goals and who you want to become, it's good for your spirit. We are meant to be in community, to give, to be vulnerable, to be around people and support each other. So, yeah, just in this era, as we mentioned, of you know, COVID has made it rough to have these personal connections, but really be intentional about the people that you're around and how they're pouring into you and how you're giving to them. Uh, I think that'll change every aspect of your life for the better.
0: Oh, so good. Well, and, and but COVID opened up other doors through Zoom and in yes. this yes. online space that, yeah. that most people were avoiding prior to yes. it. And now you and I are having this podcast conversation, you know, 1,200 miles apart, <laughs> from right? Colorado to Los Angeles. And, and of course I've had other conversations all the way around the world with yeah. Australia, New Zealand. And, and so I think there's some incredible things that, that have happened and, and we just need to lean in and, yes. and create connections in the ways that you can create connections like LinkedIn. Um, yes. It's continuing to grow and be a powerful networking space.
1: Precisely. Thank you so much.
0: Amy, thank you. It was wonderful. And I really enjoyed our conversation.
1: Likewise. Appreciate it. Take care.
0: If you enjoy the show, please like, subscribe and leave a review. If you're struggling with stress, feel like life is out of control, run out of time before your to-do list is finished, we have a gift for you. Stop by addvaluemindset.com and claim your free gift today. In our next episode, passionate about helping to end poverty, she believes that poverty exists in five forms, emotional, relational, spiritual, physical, and financial. She shares her journey from less than nothing to tremendous success and believes her gift is to help others on the journey to freedom.